Well, good morning. Uh, good to see you. And I mean that quite literally as uh, my family were balcony sitters. And so we know you by the crowns of your head, uh, not your faces. So I like this view better. Maybe we'll try it up here sometime. I don't know. Um, I thought I would begin today with a question that I'm quite sure you have not been asked uh, this week. Uh, and it's this. Do we have any shepherds among us uh, this morning? And by that, I mean literal People who make their living herding sheep. Do we have any? Okay, it was a wild Vegas type wager, I'm sure. Um, so we don't have any, which also means that no one grew up uh, in that sort of lifestyle or learning uh, what it means to be a shepherd. Which means, of course, when it comes to sheep and the shepherd metaphor, which we read in our gospel reading day, and it's, and it's our day designated, um, we don't really understand what it means. It doesn't really land. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've never responded when I've heard this metaphor as, well, of course he's the good shepherd and I'm a sheep. That makes total sense to me. I don't know if you have or not, but I haven't. Um, and I didn't hear anybody this morning when you heard it read say, really, me, a sheep? Well, that's offensive. Because after all, you do know what a sheep's nickname is, don't you? They're called ovine idiots. <laughs> I love that. But no, we're not offended. The USA Today recently reported some news from Gavas, Turkey, where uh, 1,500 sheep were grazing one morning, and one of them got the bright idea to jump off a nearby cliff. Maybe you've heard this before. This is not a joke. This is a real event. And then all of the other sheep decided that they wanted to follow over the cliff as well. It turns out the shepherds responsible left the sheep to eat breakfast. So the shepherds realized what had happened. They ran down to the bottom of the cliff and they realized that 450 of the sheep sadly perished. But they found that over a thousand of them were still alive because, you guessed it, it was a soft landing. Right? There it is. And that is actual wording from the news report that I relay to you. See, the intelligence of an animal is directly proportional to their need for help. I mean, I've been to the beach, and I've never seen dolphin shepherds, have you? And yet they're supposedly one of the most intelligent animals that we have. Flipper doesn't need humans to tell him what to do, but apparently sheep don't have the sense not to jump off a cliff. Now, after hearing that, would it offend you to know that the Bible repeatedly calls you and me sheep? I mean, after all, all we like sheep have gone astray. Let me amend the statement that I said previously, which was the intelligence of an animal is directly proportional to their need for help. And let me say it this way. The vulnerability of sheep is directly proportional to our need for a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Desperately. Our gospel reading from John 10 is closely linked to what happened immediately uh, preceding where Jesus finds a man born blind. And so it's very important to understand that in order for John 10 to really land on us this morning. And with no department of social services combined with this man's inability to work with his hands because he was blind, he was forced to beg for food. And as Jesus approaches, he does more than simply notice this man. He actually sees him. 
and in seeing him on the Sabbath day of all days, he helps this poor man. So the now seen and seeing man is taken to the Pharisee leaders who, instead of welcoming him back into the worship and celebrating his newfound sight and blessing him at this day of all days in his life that has brought him the ability to live in a way that he's never lived before, instead of doing that, they tell him in verse 34 of chapter 9 these words, You were born a total sinner. And they threw him out of the synagogue. You see, they had backed him into a corner and were trying to force him to turn on Jesus, but he would not. Instead, he said, this is a miracle, and he cared for me like no one else. And the man actually kneels down and worships Jesus. So now the stage is set in chapter 10 of John, which we just read from, showing the kind of leader that Jesus is compared to the kind of leader in the synagogue. Those who were supposedly responsible for leading and carrying these sheep, instead, they were doing these things. And Jesus says, I'm different. So let me just give you a few attributes of sheep in order for us to just understand who we are, what we're like, shall we? Ever seen a sheep growl or show their teeth or maybe roar or shoot quills, spit venom or pull out their claws? You know why? Because sheep are generally defenseless animals. If attacked, I mean, maybe they could just bump up against us with their soft, comfortable wool. Sounds terrifying, doesn't it? They do have a couple of, let's air quote, defenses. So let me just share a couple of those with you. Uh, When sheep are frightened by noise, such as, get this, running water. (laughs) See Psalm 23, by the way. They will run away. And when they do so, they typically run away together. And so that brings them some sort of small measure of defense because they're not on their own. They're not by themselves. And so you know the perennial dad hiking joke? Anybody? You're already there, some of you. If you're not, you're going to laugh in just a second. And it's the, I don't, this is when you say to your kids, I don't need to run very fast if a bear comes out just faster than you, dad joke lands. Yes. That's a sheep's favorite joke, too, because when they get scared, they run away together. But another one is, speaking of sheep fear, they have excellent peripheral vision. It's really interesting. They have unusually large rectangular pupils as opposed to human pupils that are circular or elliptical. And this allows them to see almost 360 degrees. So they barely have to turn their head and they can see everything going on behind them. Fascinating, isn't it? So other than those two defense mechanisms, sheep are meat on a pita just waiting to be eaten by an enemy. They're generally defenseless animals. And guess what? We are much the same way. We're full of fear, aren't we? Fear of loss, fear of the unknown, fear of abandonment, Fear of being taken advantage of or hurt. Fear of the hurts that we've received before. Fear of what others think of us. Fear of what we think of ourselves. Fear of incompetence. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. 
There's no wonder the most often repeated imperative in the Bible is do not fear. Because we're skittish sheep with rectangular pupils, with heads on a swivel, seeing the danger all around, aren't we? And that fear is like a fire, producing all kinds of unhealthy energy and responses that you and I live out. For example, self-preservation. Never heard of it. By self-preservation, we mean this, the overprotection of misplaced identity, of which you and I are engaged in all the time. We work so hard at becoming who we are not, or we fear of simply becoming who we are intended to be in the first place. We pretend, perform, prove, hide. A little kicking and a little running get us really nowhere. And I wonder, what if we just made friends with the fact that we are fearful sheep? What if we just accepted it? and let go of the overprotection, the self-preservation that we engage in, and that misplaced identity that, that says that we are far greater than we actually are, because we aren't. And yet we want to convince ourselves that we are. What if we just let someone else stand in for us? I mean, Jesus says in chapter 10, verses 11 to 13, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, he says. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. By the way, when Jesus said this, everyone thought he was absolutely crazy. You know why? Because no shepherd would ever die for sheep. That's a ridiculous statement and a ridiculous concept. Whereas in a typical economy, the sheep exist for the benefit of the shepherd. But in the new economy, the kingdom economy, the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Not because of financial gain, but why? Did you hear it? Because he cares for them? Really? Though we are fearful sheep, it has no claim on us. And though we have the good shepherd, we are not lost. He runs towards danger and cares enough to give his life. That's the kind of good shepherd we have. Another thing about sheep is they're not beasts of burden and are constantly in need of help. You will never see a sheep carrying a pack on their back. Other animals are good for carrying things, but not sheep. In fact, they would be crushed under such a weighty burden, their legs would literally splinter and break. They're not designed to carry anything. Sometimes sheep will fall over on their back, think cockroach or turtle, on their back, legs flailing, and they can't actually get themselves up. It's fascinating, isn't it? You know the term for this? It's called being cast down. That's literally the shepherd term that's given. If the shepherd does not pick up the sheep and put the sheep back on their feet, it could die because it's completely helpless. They can't turn over themselves. 
And here's what I would say. Some of us are living Psalm 42. Psalm 42, when the psalmist is talking to his own soul, it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? You hear the shepherding words there? Why are you in turmoil within me? I would go so far as to say that this is probably the most um, important idea, truth, reality that has been pressed down into me over the past few years. Through some difficult heat and challenges that we were going through, uh, I realized that I was putting things on my back and had somewhere inside of, deep of me telling myself that I was supposed to bear them. I was supposed to be strong enough to take them. And instead what was happening is my back was getting tired, my legs were shaking and about to break. So through a process, I started realizing that this is actually how I'd been living for years and years and years, thinking I had to get stronger so that I could bear my own burdens. Now, I would never have said that on a test, never once. But it was the reality that I was living. And so I was introduced to some very simple phrases and have been practicing this idea. And here's one of them. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, okay, go ahead and give me what seems so dramatically wonderful, and I'm telling you is that's it. But saying that, praying that over and over and over again, and actually praying that into me, and then asking the question following that, that is, is Jesus, what do I need to let go of? I literally was doing that this morning and I discovered something that I had not realized before. Standing in the kitchen this morning, I said to my wife, you know that thing I told you I was struggling with the other day? I heard what it was this morning. I'm telling you, we are not designed to bear our own burdens. If your legs are weak and they're splintering, it may be time to give it to the shepherd. Here's what he says in Isaiah 40. Again, the sheep shepherd metaphor. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them. You see, not only does he take our burdens, he takes us. One more thing. Sheep are emotional. This is interesting. And they recognize the shepherd's voice. So I'm told sheep experience emotions such as fear, anger, despair, boredom, <laughs> disgust, and happiness. Like various other species, including humans, sheep make different vocalizations to communicate different emotions, and the shepherd knows those vocalizations. They recognize, sheep do, emotion by facial expression, and they prefer a smile to a frown. It's very fascinating. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not kidding when I tell you that I've been told that they produce better wool when they sense a happy shepherd. So interesting. They build friendships, stick up for one another in fights, and feel sad when their friends are sent to slaughter. I would too. And because they're emotional animals, they can de detect strangers, and amazingly, they will fear a stranger's voice, and they will either freeze or take flight. 
And above all, they had this remarkable instinct for knowing the voice of the shepherd. So as sheep herders walk up to the sheep fold, the pen where the sheep have been overnight, they will typically whistle or sing a soft little melody in order to alert the sheep far in advance that they're coming. Sheep are that scared. And then when they get up to the gate, they will take their crook, they will take their staff, and they'll tap on that gate. They'll, they'll jiggle the, the, the ratchet in order to let the sheep know, everyone know, I am here. And then they'll do the quintessential shepherd move. They will call a sheep by name as they stand at the gate. Then that one sheep whose name has been called will come forward. And they'll open the gate, the shepherds will, only far enough for the sheep to stand in the gate. And then they will take their knowing eyes and their knowing hands, and they will begin to feel over hips and back, shoulders and chest and legs and feet. They'll check their eyes, check their teeth. And if anything needs mending, they'll mend them. And then they will call their name again and excuse them out to join the rest of the herd. Interesting, isn't it? And that's where Jesus' words come alive from John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I call them by name, and they follow me. Bishop Westcott says it this way, Nothing in his flock is hidden from him. Their weaknesses, their failures. Their temptations, their sins. The good which they have neglected when it was within reach. The evil which they have pursued when it lay afar. All is open before his eyes. He knows them. And he loves them still. Notice in verse 14, though, Jesus says this, I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. Isn't that interesting? Here's something. If shared time and space are any markers of knowing another, then think about the commonality between the father and the son. Eternally together. Never have been apart from all eternity past. Then think of this. Face to face. One essence. One being, co-equal in glory, holding all things in common. All things in common. That's the deepest and the most intimate knowledge out of which and upon which the entire world exists. And that kind of mirrored knowledge is available to us. Father and son, shepherd and sheep. Make no mistake Mutual knowledge is precisely what ensures that we follow the shepherd. Mutual knowledge. He knows us. We know him. And when we know him and he knows us, we will follow him. You see, the good shepherd has a unique voice. And I guess my question is, can you hear it? I have a friend who's a recovering alcoholic who told me that every day he leaves work and comes to a particular intersection where if he turns right at that intersection, <clears throat> he'll drink himself into oblivion at his local before the night's out. If he turns left, it takes him home every day. He's been listening to the shepherd's voice. 
have another friend who's experiencing deep, deep loneliness. It's the kind of loneliness where you ache in your muscles and in your bones. You know what I mean by that? It's that kind of loneliness. And you're regularly willing to do just about anything to ease the pain. And yet the good shepherd says to this friend, I'm with you forever with you. That's what it means to hear his voice. I wonder, what's he saying to you? Are you hearing him? You know what he says? Tomorrow uh, is 10 weeks since my 80-year-old father died. Um, he struggled with Alzheimer's for years, landing him in a facility here in town. He was a good man, a provider. He loved his people and was willing to go to whatever lengths necessary to help others, um, even to the point of cleaning public gas stations. What kind of dude does that? My dad did. My dad did. He was a faithful husband of over 60 years, and today is the first Mother's Day my mom will spend without him. Um, he was a deeply loving and caring father, and I will tell you that because I know that firsthand. I remember one Friday afternoon, sometime back, uh, I went to visit with him and my mom when he was still living at home. And when I came in, he didn't call me by name. Instead, he said, hey there, which at that moment I knew was his tell that he didn't remember my name. So as we sat there and as we talked, I soon realized that my dad had forgotten my entire life. All my 46 years were gone. And as we, mostly me, talked, he was staring out the window trying to find all those memories that he couldn't access. He lost my birth, my childhood, my teenage years, which I would like to forget those too. He lost my marriage and his memory, the birth of my three sons, his grandsons. All of my 46 years of history was gone. At some point in the conversation, he just looked at me and he said, I, I'm sorry, I just can't seem to remember much these days. I said, it's okay, Dad. I'm sorry, too. On the morning that he died, he wheeled himself down the hallway at the facility to look out a window at a garden that he loved that brought him a lot of peace. And in a moment, he was gone quickly, of which at some level we're grateful. Two days later, I had to go identify his body at the funeral home before his cremation. And I was in the room with him alone for about 30 minutes, and that's where we had our final conversation. I asked him some questions. I told him some things I'd never said before. I told him I loved him. I'm thankful that he was such a good dad. And I said goodbye, and he hated goodbyes. He used to tell us his family, that's the thing he hated the most in this world, was saying goodbye. There's one more thing I haven't told you about my dad. He was a shepherd. Oh. Not a farmer, shepherd, sheep herder, a shepherd of souls. He was a pastor for over 50 years. 
but as good of a man, as wonderful of a father, and as beloved of a shepherd that he was. I needed more. I need a shepherd who knows me at the deepest parts of who I am. One who understands me better than I understand myself. I need a shepherd who won't forget me. I need a shepherd who will take my burdens from my aching back and my shaky legs. I need a shepherd who knowingly sees me, checks me for wounds, and mends me. I need a shepherd whose voice has not gone silent. One who still speaks to me, a voice I can still hear. I need a shepherd who still calls me by my name. I need a shepherd who won't die and leave me, but one who will lay it down for me and then take it up again and continue to feed me with it over and over again. That's the kind of shepherd I need. And guess what? I found him. We have found him. And he's a good shepherd. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.